was just chatting with my husband about how comfortable his hoodie was and he told me, you have got to order me another one of these. The Barrel Horse Life store is unlike any store. Here you get to pick the style, the color, the size, and then it's shipped directly to your front door. Their size is extra small through 5XL. Men's, women's, kids, so much more to choose from. I'd really love for you to check it out for yourself at www.barrelhorselife.store. And if I may add, you have to check out the most comfortable hoodie. It's my favorite and, of course, my husband's favorite. Again, that's www.thebarrelhorselife.store. This is the Barrel Horse Life podcast, 25th episode. 25 times now I've had the opportunity to interview the best people in our industry. So while searching for my next guest for the episode, I came across her on social media. The post that I saw read, bring it. So as I clicked on it to read the entire post, I was completely hooked. Every time she runs down the alleyway, she shows up to win, even in split reins. She won't take no for an answer and her confident attitude is truly contagious. Becoming the 2022 Rookie of the Year was just the start. She became the first rookie to win the most money in their rookie year in the WPRA history. Truly amazing. I'm Amy Davenport, and this is the Barrel Horse Life Podcast. Today's episode, Bailey Shotes, Cotes, Shotes, Coats. Oh, hell, I'm terrible with names. I'll let her introduce herself. Are you frustrated searching for products for your horse that end up just sitting in the tack room or just don't work? Since 2014, Draw It Out has been helping horses and humans. They sell the best products to draw out inflammation, heat, and they're 100% safe to use. It's gentle on your horse's skin, yet tough on swelling and soreness. It can be left on for long periods of time without burning and without blistering. I won't haul anywhere without the spray concentrate. Once I tried their products, I wonder how I ever lived without them. Oh yeah, the first time I used the ice bath shampoo, I was totally hooked. It was so simple, and my horses smelled amazing. I like that I can use the gel under the saddle pad and splint boots. From the CBD-infused gel to the Breathe to Run Salve, it is pretty safe to say that Draw It Out products are not only owner-approved, but horse-approved as well. From the round pen to the barrel pen, our choice is Draw It Out. Shop now at LonePrairiePHS.com and use discount code AMY10. Again, that's LonePrairiePHS.com. All right, today on the show, we have, I'm going to let you say your name, Bailey. Bailey Shoe. Okay, very good. I'm terrible with names. I never get them right. So, very good. <laughs> Nobody well, ever can say my last name right, so you're fine. I've personally been a fan of yours and have followed you for quite a while now, so I'm very excited to chat with you today. So, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So before we dive in, I want to make sure that people know more about you. So let's start out by telling us who you are and a little bit about yourself. I am a girl who likes to play professional barrel racer. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I ride horses and yeah, just live life to the fullest. And you're down in Texas, is that correct? Yes. And you, how long have you been riding horses for? Um, My whole life. Good deal. I'm pretty sure my mom had me on a horse before I could walk. And how long um, have you been on the rodeo road? Well, last year was my first year. It was my rookie year. 
So only a year. And did you do high school, college? Um, I did high school rodeo um, for like half a season. And I junior high rodeoed for my 6th grade, 7th grade, 8th grade year. And then when I got to high school, I did it for like half a season. Yeah. And then I just stuck to barrel racing because I liked it better. Because I could take like six horses instead of one. Exactly. And win more money. And have you always done rodeo? Have you dabbed it, dabbled in the fraternity industry at all? Or have you just stuck to just barrel racing and rodeo? I love the fraternities and I love the barrel racing. Um, it's always been my choice. I never imagined myself as a rodeo girl. You know, we all have dreams. I wanted to go to the NFR. That was like a big dream of mine. So to do that, I had rodeo. And now I like it, but... I never pictured myself a rodeo girl, you know, not one of those cool people that you see on TV. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I think when I talk to a lot of professional barrel racers, a lot of them imagine going to the NFR when they were little. Was that you when you were a kid? Oh, my goodness. So every year when the NFR would come on, I would say, you know how you have like the little feed buckets, like the little Mm -hmm. five. So I would set all those up in my living room. And I would run on a stick horse, and I would run the barrels. On, it didn't matter who was coming down the alleyway, whether it was Lisa and Louie, Sarah and Bling. Like, it didn't matter. I would run in the barrels, and I was that combination every time for 10 nights in a row. And it's all I ever wanted to do. Yeah, so you literally imagine yourself, as soon as they came down the alleyway, there you were going down your hallway <laughs> into your living yeah. room then. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and so how old are you now? I'm 19. 19. So you're you're just now able to really get up and get going. So have you been traveling by yourself this whole time, or do your parents, are they able to go with Um, you? My parents owned me last year. Um, This year, I'm probably going to go on my own and kind of branch out. (laughs) But they went with me last year. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Do you enjoy having someone travel with you? Do you prefer to travel on your own? I love having someone that I know, like my mom or dad, with me. However... I don't think that I would make a great traveling partner um, because I live a last minute. So when I want to do something, I want to do it right now and I'm not waiting. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> B, I'm like kind of an alone person. Like I'm really good by myself. So I think I would rather be alone. Be solo. Be the independent. Go rogue. Yeah. But then again, there are some days I'm like, man, I really wish I had someone with me. <laughs> yeah, especially when it comes to driving, especially going that long of a distance and putting all those kinds of miles on your vehicle it's hard and you know it's hard doing the driving the the riding everything in between that you have to do after running your horse at a rodeo and then having to drive 12 15 hours it's got to be exhausting it is very exhausting um and you don't realize it till you're out there you're like it's not that bad and then you're like man Maybe I should have thought this through. <laughs> yeah, after doing it for a couple weeks, couple months, being out there for a long time, figuring out how to do your laundry, how to get your food, how to get more hay, all those ins and outs of being on the road can be extremely challenging, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Well, tell us a little bit more about the amazing horses that you have in your trailer. Oh, my goodness. They are my entire life. Um, so you have Dash, who is basically Superman. Um, He came off an injury last year. And I don't know where it came from because if you would ask me, if you would have told me that that horse was going to be my rodeo horse, I would have laughed at you because he's like the goofiest thing, like scared of everything, is not real brave at all. And so when he got hurt in 2020, um, we weren't sure if he would come back, but he ended up coming back in June, no, Memorial Day weekend because that was the first time I'd rain him. 
then after that, he just, like, stepped up and came out of nowhere pretty much. So that was pretty cool. But he is, like, my sweet, loving... He doesn't have a big personality, but he's just, like, really sweet until he doesn't want to be. He can be a jerk, mm-hmm. but most times he's sweet. And then you have Boozer over there, who is everyone's favorite. Um, Boozer lives life to the beat of his own drum. You're not going to tell him what to do. He's going to do exactly what he wants to do, and he doesn't care about you or your feelings. <laughs> <laughs> He's kind of a wild man. Um, when you're walking him on a hall you have to be fully aware of him because he's liable to just jump straight up, maybe take off running. Bolt. Oh, shoot. He, oh, he turns into a rocking horse before he runs. Um, he does this little thing where he rocks back and forth and back and forth. So he was the one. I remember seeing you. I think he was on TikTok. There was a video that went viral. And it was a Let's Get Ready to Rumble song, and he was going up yep. and down, up and down. <laughs> it was That's great. Bizarre. Yeah. That's bizarre. And, like, and when I go to a rodeo, it's not, OMG, look, it's Bailey. It's, OMG, look, it's Boozer. <laughs> That's great. He's, I'm not joking. People will come to my trailer just to meet him, but he has so much personality. Like, you could sit there and have a full-on conversation with you and feel like he's talking about. Is he the one that you run in split reins? Oh, Yeah. Okay, well, first of all, one, how on earth do you manage to do that? And two, fill us in on the details, what, why, and how. Because that is, it's challenging to run in split reins. If anybody's ever tried to do that, it is tough. So the reason I do it is because when I was training Boozer, okay, now, Boozer does not adapt to change very well. He's very sensitive. So keep that in mind when I'm trying to start. So when I was training Boozer, I'll ride everything in split reins during the week, and, you know, you don't even think about it, you know? So then when it come, come time for him to run, which would be as a three-year-old, I just threw barrel reins on him and, and didn't think anything about it, right? Because it's not that big of a difference. Well, the whole time I was training him, I would, like, two-hand him around the barrels, but it was, like, out of muscle memory, and I didn't even realize it, you know? So when it come time to run him, I just threw barrel reins on him, run in there, dropped my hand at the first barrel, and expected him to turn it, right? No. He just, like, kept on going, like, almost out the alleyway, and, like, he did that over and over and over again, and I was getting frustrated. I'm like, you can go home, and you smoke the first barrel. Like, what is your problem, you know? Yeah. I don't understand. So I tried it and tried it and tried it, and finally, I was so mad at him at a barrel race one day, I just didn't even switch my split reins. Because I was, like, fooling on him. I was like, look, like, you're going to do this. He goes in here and wins it. And, and I was it. like, well, what did I change? And it, it still didn't hit me. So finally, I was just analyzing it, overanalyzing, because I could not get this horse to do right in barrel rooms. But it, it, I didn't realize it at that point. Because I was staying two-handed. So then I was like, fine, I'll just stay two-handed in barrel rooms. No. I cannot do that. Like, my muscle memory, I automatically drop. It doesn't matter how much I try to, like, tell myself to stay two-handed. No, it never happens. So I was like, I'll just start running him in split reins. Well, I did, and he started winning. That would just is what worked for me. I don't like it. I don't support it. I don't think you're any cooler, any less. If you can or can't, it doesn't matter to me. I say do whatever makes you win. And I called a lot of backlash off that because a lot of these little girls try to go around and doing it and... I don't really want to be like, you shouldn't do that, but it was affecting from the videos I've seen, you know? I'm like, you have to understand Boozer. Boozer is a breed of his own, okay? (laughs) It's his way or no way, pretty much. And so that's why I have to do it, because you have to ride in two-handed, and he really likes the outside line pressure against his neck. 
coming around the backside. Mm-hmm. And I I mentally couldn't do it in barrel reins. And he mentally couldn't do it with me going one-handed. So it's what works for us. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and I've watched several of your videos, and especially some of the ones that are in slow-mo. And as you're, as you're especially the first barrel, as you're coming around your outside rein isn't tight. Like there's, it's, it's pretty loose on, especially on his bit, it's loose, but you have pressure on his neck coming around and that helps, that helps keep him soft, but yet it helps kind of support, um, support that outside to help kind of help push him around. So yeah, it makes complete sense. You have to do what you have to do to get your horse to win. It's a game of winning against the clock. Right. Um, and then tell us about Preacher. I know you have, um, he's another horse you have in your trailer. Is that right? Yeah, Preacher, I, I ran a little bit last year. I won a lot on him, like, the first of the year. He's a horse. He is just extremely fast, and he's really turny. Um, he does good when the ground's bad or if it's, like, really muddy, you know? However, my mom has started riding him, mm-hmm. and so she's been doing good on him. Um, but... He, I like, I like a really stiff horse, like super stiff underneath me, and he is like super bendy. So sometimes our styles clash, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> I'm like stiffen up, and he's like, no. Yeah. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> um, but him and my mom get along great. But preacher, he's just kind of like stand off. He just kind of is like boozer, but not as personable. Just mm-hmm. kind of goes to his own beat. He's kind of like the grandpa of the trailer. Um, he keeps the other two in line, but he's, he's not very vocal. He kind of keeps himself. He's not, I wouldn't say boring, but he definitely doesn't have any like ticks or cause your blood pressure to rise in any way. (laughs) Yeah. He's just a very easygoing gelding to get along with. Yeah. He's very easygoing. Nothing bothers him. Just kind of there to be there. Yeah. But I did have him on the trailer in the all summer. I just, like, didn't run him a whole lot. Cause it's hard for me when I have something that's working to get off of it, you know? Sure. Yeah. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. If you're running on one horse and he's feeling good, there's... Unless the ground's different or it's a smaller pen or an indoor or outdoor. If you have a certain horse that does better in a certain situation, I've always said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. Back to Boozer. So, he had... Did you for charity on him as well? Yeah, I did, and he won for, he, so he was my first ever fraternity horse, so Whitney Godness started him, and then I bought him in, like, April, I think, of his three-year-old year. Anyways, and kind of going, kind of got him going, and then added some speed, and just finished him out real solid, well, I wouldn't say real solid, because there were a lot of bumps in the room, <laughs> but um, training Boozer, there was never a dull moment, let me just tell you. That horse, he's a mess. So, but we figured it out. And so he was my first fraternity horse. And the reason I got him was because someone said, oh, you could never do a fraternity horse. You'd never have one to make one win, this, that, and the other. And it was a really big deal on social media. And so that's why I bought Boozer. Um, My mom actually told me, she said, don't buy that horse. Because he was like in that ugly stage, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Going through. And he was like a roan and. She was like, no. And he was the first one I rode. I said, this is my horse. I want him. This is the one. And she was like, Bailey. I was like, this is the one. And so I wrote a check for him and bought him. And we brought him home. And then, like I said, it started out rough. And it ended in a fairy tale. And he went for Trudy Horse of the Year. Nice. 
And I'm sure it wasn't it, wasn't as easy as you just made it sound. There's a lot of bumps along the way. Uh, no, because nothing about Boozer is easy, let me tell you. <laughs> it's easy. He is extra with an extra kick of I don't even know what. An extra energy drink kick every day. Oh my gosh, he, if he was a human, he would probably be, like, this guy that lives in, like, the big city of, like, Las Vegas, and he would walk in with, like, two girls on his hip with no talent. He's a pimp, like, 100%. <laughs> I always love to compare horses to humans, and especially geldings. I think mares are a little bit harder, but geldings are so easy to give them a human analogy, and I think that's perfect for Boozer. <laughs> Boozer would 100% live in Las Vegas and spend all his money at the blackjack table. Yep, and have a sweet watch, these big aviator glasses that he wore down just a little bit. Yeah, he'd be a baller. And he would wear a trench coat to his knees <laughs> with a top hat, probably. <laughs> have a chauffeur that drives him. Of him. Yep, yep. Oh, that's great. Um, so looking back, uh, how did you work him and help him gain his confidence when you were helping him learn the ground as such a young horse, or did that just kind of fall in place? Because there's a huge difference between rodeo ground and barrel racing fraturity ground. Honestly, Boozer loves to rodeo from the beginning because he loves the attention. So the first rodeo I ever took him to was Cowtown on a Saturday night. It was standing room only. I'll never forget walking in there and going, and I am, he was three at the time. I was like, I'm about to run a three-year-old in here. Uh-oh. <laughs> this is gonna go great and, yeah and i mean i'll never forget and I, I was got in the alleyway and i said you know what you're about to be more scared of me than you are of those people and i over and under him from the back and he run like a 14-0 it was, it was on the old pattern not since they moved it sure. um he run like a 14-0 his first time ever in there as a three-year-old and won like second in the rodeo cowtown became his favorite arena after that that so to say that's his favorite arena Anytime that there's people or attention or he thinks people are watching him, he's going to show out. Mm-hmm. It's his favorite thing to do. So I really didn't have to make him adjust. Now, if it's in the slack, you can forget it. Boozer's not your horse. He's not a slack horse. or And he don't like barrel races now. Um, if you've seen my post the other day, I was like, he's literally embarrassing to run at a barrel race because he's like, we'll run in the 3D, maybe, maybe break into the 2D at a barrel <laughs> race. And that's just because he he doesn't run... With all the attention in front of him? Yeah, he wants the attention. Like, if he can hear the crowd screaming from the back, he'll start shaking his head and paw on the ground. And, like, you know how bull riders, like, psych themselves up before they run? Yeah. That's what Boozer does. Yep, he amps himself up, exactly. But I really, he, all my good horses got hurt when Boozer started coming along. So I didn't have anything else to run. So I put a lot of pressure on him as a four-year-old, and he handled it. Well, walk us through a week with Bailey, like with your horses, how do you work them and how often do you get to ride them? My weeks are always changing um, because I never know where I'm going to be as far as rodeo wise. Um, but if it's just an off week, um, Sundays, usually I was at a barrel race on Saturday. So usually I don't ride on Sundays mm-hmm. um, just because it's kind of like our refresh day. Mondays, so I only have a six horse trailer. I can only take six unless I want to do two loads. So Mondays, I probably either take five colts and one of my open horses or just kind of whoever is going on the trailer. And then I'll go ride, come back, and depending on the weather, um, it decides what I do the rest of the day. So I'll do that. And then feeding twice a day. Tuesdays, I usually 
do the same thing, just kind of on repeat. Wednesday, if I'm in Texas, I usually try to go to Jackpot NRS just because it's a good place to go exhibition colts and just, uh, you know, get some, them some experience. Thursdays, same thing as Monday and Tuesday. And most of the time, Friday and Saturday, I'm at a barrel race. Yep, that's a pretty busy week. That'll keep you busy. Yeah, and and make sure you throw a few, like, r- trips to TJ Maxx or something in there, too. Yeah, <laughs> Target, <laughs> TJ Maxx. Yep. Uh, listen, I'm a shopping girl. I'm all the time shopping. It's really bad. Like, we'll come home from, like, rodeo, and there'll be, like, five packages out the door. I'm like, oops. <laughs> I know. Amazon gets the best of me, too. I, I feel you. I'm like, Amazon really loves me. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes I see these videos online. It's like, you do not need anything from Amazon today. I'm like, is this speaking to me? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty Yeah, cool. I'm terrible at online shopping. Yeah. Uh, speaking of buying stuff, what kind of tech do you run in? Because I'm sure you're like me and you're always buying new tech. I ride in Dazzle Rock. Miss Michelle is like my second mom. Mm-hmm. Um, I love her to death. I've known her my whole life. Yeah, so Dazzle Rock tech, and I also help her like do some designing, and so we have a lot of fun. <laughs> and then what kind of saddles and what kind of bridles and what kind of bits do you use on your horses? Um, so saddles, I use Double J, um, saddle pad, boots, and, like, all that, like, cinches. All that. I use Professional's Choice. Um, bits, I'm pretty sure I own every bit that Carrie Kelly, L&W, and every other bit maker makes. Yeah. I am like a my actually my mom is a bit person okay she all the time changing bits I'm like I don't know I'm just a jockey um however Dash's headgear you don't touch and you don't mess with um it's like a 1970s stop and turn (laughs) hey if it works yeah it's rusted and bent and everything but Mm -hmm. it works so well, let's kind of rewind a little bit, and I would like to talk about the year of 2022. You had a record year. I think when I really started to follow you hard was around Cowboy Christmas. I think back in July, Cowboy Christmas should have been named Queen Bee Bash. Uh, that was, you came on the scene, and you came on the scene hard. Um, so let's kind of go back and tell us about your rookie year and how you held that and and how that made you feel like how everything and all the attention and all the money you won how was that for you um so my year started off less than ideal like i, I had won $500 prior to Radio Austin um which was in March mm-hmm. and i'll just start from there um every time i went to pen like i either hit a barrel or just like couldn't win or just something inconvenient would happen you know and I was honestly, like, wearing myself and my horses out because I was trying so hard just to win a check. And I was, like, oh, the practice pen and almost have them too perfect. Like, they were always just, like, overworking. I was on my way home. I had went to Florida. And then I stopped at Montgomery on my way home. And I hit a barrel to win Montgomery. So I'm packing up and I'm, we're pulling out. And I was, like, already kind of agitated. And this Colorado number calls me. And I was like, who the heck is calling me from Colorado? I'm not answering that. And I was like, maybe just answer the phone. I'm like, fine. Answer it. It's a WPRA. And they're like, hey, we have a spot at Rodeo Austin. Like, can you be here? And I was like, yeah, it's on my way home. Like, I'm going home. I'm done rodeo. And this is just terrible, you know? Well, 
But my friends had said it takes one rodeo to turn your whole year around, right? I was like, yeah, that's easy for you to say because you're not out here sucking every time you go in the pen. (laughs) Wasting diesel money, entry fee money, feed, running their legs off. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, that's easy for you to say, but okay. And so, so we drive to Austin. I run. I actually ended up, like, winning the round that night. And it was, like, out of nowhere. Where the heck did that come from, you know? And so you're just sitting there, and you're like, huh, okay, so I go to the semifinals. I win the semifinals. I'm like, where did that come from? Like, what happened in the trailer from Montgomery to Austin? Yeah. And so then I got my first number one back number. Um, That was pretty cool because I got the number one back number at Radio Austin. Mm-hmm. My rookie year. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Boozer threw two shoes in the finals and ended up, like, third. Um, Because <laughs> I'd been on the road so long. He was, like, literally running in flip-flops. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> the two of them went flying in the finals. But I ended up winning third, and then whatever happened at Rodeo Austin, I don't I don't know what it was. I went to winning. Right there, I went to winning. Mm-hmm. And then I won three rodeos in a row. I won Mineral Wells, Vernon, and Kansas City. Bam, bam, bam. Right after that. And then I did a place at Diamond. That was, like, into May. Yeah, it rolled me right into my summer run. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know what happened. And then... My su- the summer run came around. I qualified to Calgary. I-, I was placing pretty much everywhere that we went. I was placing. Um, like, my, one of my favorite memories is the finals of Wainwright. So, I come into the finals, and I'm coming down the alleyway, and my whole stirrup falls off. Oh, shoot. And I had came in. I think I won, like, second in the long So, I came in, like, ranked pretty high. And my stirrup falls off, and the judge is like, your stirrup and I was like I don't got time for this and I take off <laughs> down the alleyway with one stirrup <laughs> and I win the final of the Wainwright uh-huh. it was so cool and my mom was like at, she comes running back there and I was like hey go get my stirrup and she was like what and I was like my stirrup it fell it's off it's dangling it's over there the <laughs> and she was like you're kidding me I was like no in the finals it falls off in the alleyway not even joking <sighs> that was fun and then we rolled into the 4th of July run, and I was doing really well at Pinoga. And so me and Anna like, we're just not, we're not leaving. So we turned out of everything over the 4th of July. I about gave my mom a heart attack because she was like, you're turning out of everything over the 4th of July. I went to like four rodeos and turned out of everything. And then I ended up being the number one money earner. So I told her she had to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Yeah, I did really good all the way up until, like, September. And then September, I couldn't win a check to save my life. Isn't it funny how that happens? It's like a light switch. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It is. Well, then, from September, then you rolled right into Vegas come 1st of December. And, man, you had a killer 10 days. So let's just jump right into that because I know everybody wants to hear about how Vegas went. But correct me if I'm wrong on any of this information, but... Um, I did a few stats, did some homework before I got, before I called you. So in Vegas, it looks like you won over $92,000. You and Shelly Morgan were the only two that had 10 clean runs, which is absolutely amazing. You placed second in the average. And I don't know if you know this, but trusty Google and the WPRA told me that you finished your rookie year ranked eighth in the world with 182,000 plus 
And that's the most money won by a rookie in the history of the WPRA. Did you know that? Yeah, it was kind of a goal of mine. So it was, it was, I'll tell you all about it. Yes, Anyways, please do. <laughs> so we motivate, okay, actually rewind. So I was sitting number one in Canada, right? Yes. Here's where the cool part of this whole story comes in. So we go to the Canadian finals in November and I hit a barrel to win the world. All I had to do is, win, is keep the barrels up, you know. Um, however, I'm very happy for Taylor. She deserved it. She's one of my really good friends. It was heartbreaking, but at the same time, I was so happy for her, right. you know. Right, it's bittersweet. Yeah, so just let me say that. Like, I'm, I don't want to take anything away. Like, no one takes that out of context. So, but I was really, like, I had hit a barrel to win the world, and I was like, are you serious? Like, right. what the heck? And so I called on my friends, and or one of my really good sponsors, actually, but they're, they're friends the Bronners, and they said, with failure comes greatness. And I was like, what the heck does that mean? Like, how am I supposed to even apply this? Anyways, so I only had to make six running candidates. I ended up hitting another barrel. And so literally couldn't even make six runs in the same pen. I was like, I'm never going to be an average person. Like, I hate averages. This is so stupid, you know? <laughs> so then a month later, we go to Vegas, right? I I went second average, you know? And so I'm re- the first four rounds, I was really going for it. You know, I was laying it out there, really just trying to win. Mm-hmm. But the ground in Vegas, let me say this, is a little bit different. Um, if you don't have a horse that can win on concrete, you need to get one before you go out there. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, none of my horses are really handling this. It's great. Let's go for the average, which was like kind of funny for me to say because I hate averages, right? Yeah. I'm not an average person. And so every, it was kind of a joke all week. They're like, you're seriously going for the average? I said, yeah, I'm going for the average. Yeah. Yep. And so, like, by round eight, I was, like, taking a few extra steps around them barrels. I was like, keep on a-going. Yep. Keep them all had, up. Yeah, I had Dash so honest. I was like, do not touch the inside line. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so I, I, like, went second average in Vegas, and which was crazy for me because, like I said, not even a month ago, I couldn't even make six clean runs in a pen, you know, mm-hmm. much less ten. When I come out, someone had told me, and I don't even remember who it was, that I, if I won, the, won, I had to place higher than third in the average, then I would break the rookie record for, like, the most money won by a rookie, this, that, and the other. Well, I didn't really, like, believe it, you know, I didn't. I don't ever look at that stuff, so I really didn't know. Well, I, st- I came out and I ended up winning, like, second average, which put me, like, over, I think I won, like, 60-something thousand in the average. And then everyone's, like, texting my mom. And the WPRA actually forgot. <laughs> oh, and so my mom ended up texting them and was like, hey, like, this is what we were told. Like, is this correct? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, we'll get it fixed. It took me like two weeks to realize I was doing my makeup one morning and I ended up calling Josh and Kristen and I was like, oh my gosh, that was my greatness. And they're like, what? And I was like, you told me back in November when failure comes greatness and I didn't believe you and I thought you were stupid because I was like, I just need to be able to win the world. Like, tell me something I want to hear. Mm-hmm. And then not even a month later, I went an average, which was like something that I needed to do in November, you know? Oh, wow. What a story that and you know, when you're going through trials like that and down times and hard times, it's hard to come up, especially when you're so down on yourself and your horses aren't running good. 
you that's you know people try to say positive things and try to uplift you but it's really really hard it's extremely difficult to get brought out of a dark deep place like that right it is I'm not even gonna lie it's hard to keep going when it's tough you know like when I was in Canada I love all my Canadians and I was like I really just want to go home it's like negative 19 degrees I'm Mm. sucking I'm like I want to go home get in the truck and head south but yeah, I'm like, that would not hurt my feelings at all. All right, well, I have some really fun NFR stats. Um, I did some homework on my trusty Google machine, um, and I thought this was really interesting. So I just want to touch on, like you said, um, things have changed with horses, and I kind of agree with you what you said, that if you don't have a horse that can run on something hard, <laughs> you need to take one with you because rodeo ground is something that is totally different than barrel racing and fraternity ground. You know, it's groomed very nicely and it's meant to be run time and time and time again versus rodeo ground is just different. That's, it, it just is what it is. I'm not knocking anybody. I'm not saying anything bad, but it just is what it is. So anyways, um, so my NFR stats, I did some homework and I thought this was really interesting. Um, in the last 30 years, uh, I did some homework about the NFR and how horses have changed. Um, they have gotten a whole second faster on the Thomas and Mack pattern. So in 1987, so 1987, that was, you know, Charmaine James and Scamper years, she ran a 1411. That was 1987. So fast forward seven years to 1994, the amazing Sherry Servi, she ran a 13.8. So then fast forward another 15 years to 2008, the amazing Lindsay Sears ran a 13.53. Fast forward another nine years, then you have Haley Kinzel and sister in 2017 broke the arena record with a 13.11, which I was actually there to watch that happen the energy was just amazing. It just is unbelievable. So from 19, or I'm sorry, sorry, so from 1987 to 2017, which is 30 years, horses went from running a 1411 to a 1311. So from Charmaine to Haley, from a 1411 to a 1311, horses have gotten an entire second faster. That is unbelievable. So in your opinion, how do you think horses have gotten faster? Do you think it's the breedings? Do you think it's the supplements? Do you think it's the confirmation? Um, like, what, in, in your opinion, how, how do you think horses have gotten faster over, over the last 30 years? Honestly, uh, in my opinion, the maintenance. Um, mm-hmm. You got to think people didn't maintenance their horses 30 years ago like they do today, you know, because they just didn't have the access to it. But today we have access to amazing vets. Um, and I always say, like, there's no way I could rodeo without having Dr. Harvey and the whole outlaw crew behind me. Always a phone call away. And so I really think that, like, we would not be anything without what these vets do for our horses. You know, like, when you go to the NFR, everyone has their own vets out there. And, and that's where those horses stay. And it's kind of like, I think of it as, like, professional football players. You know, they have their own whole team of doctors because that's what keeps them going you know right there are athletes in just what you said like football players they have nutritionists they have people cooking for them they have uh, uh, trainers 
They have uh, medical staff right on hand. They have all these things to help them be professional athletes. Well, I think of my horse the same way. If he's going to be a professional athlete, I can't just feed him oats and alfalfa and expect him to run well. You know, you have to put him on supplements and give him an actual, you know, have a nutritionist that helps you get get them the correct nutrition that they need to feed their bodies the correct way. Right. I feel like 30 years ago, horses were not thought of as highly as they are now. But like, no one thought that, hey, maybe my horse needs injected or, you know, maybe we need to go put him in the spa or go swim, you know, throwing him out. And I say this because I'll talk about my mom, you know, they throw him out in the field and then take him to a race on the weekend, you know. Oh, yeah. And they're coming out with new therapies every year, different types of injections and therapies. Every year, the technology is constantly growing, which is amazing. But I will say, I do think 30 years ago, horses were a whole lot tougher than they are now. Yeah, agreed. They are not as tough. (laughs) And I feel like the more that we get into this breeding, they're kind of breeding, like, the foundation out of them. Um, As far as, like, structure and stuff, I feel like they're not as built to last as they were 30 Mm -hmm. years ago. Yeah, I I could totally see that. Um, before I forget, I want to jump back real quick. I want to go back to the NFR. So the money, I was looking up the stats on the money too. You'll think this is crazy. I was really shocked at the differences in in the, not only in the times, but in the money, because 20 years ago, the top girls were only winning $145,000. Now I think last year, Haley Kinzel won over $300,000 and that's a lot of money, but in the early eighties, the girls were only making total year earnings $50,000. That's insane. $50,000 in the 80s, total year earnings. That's nothing compared to now. Like, that that will barely get you up and down the road now. Yeah, that, like, well, I don't think will hardly get you in the top 30. Yeah, hardly even that. It's amazing. Like, some some of the rodeos. I mean, look at the American. You have a chance to win a million dollars just at the, or just at one, yeah. rodeo, one rodeo, you know? Well, and look how much the American's grown. You know, when it first came out, you know, it was a big deal. But look at it now. You know, it is quadrupled. And the whole bracket system, which is like clear as mud. I still don't clearly understand it. But I kudo the people that uh, attend it because it is tough. You know, I love watching the qualifiers because it, it is literally the best horses in our industry that what, try to qualify for it. It is not an easy road to qualify for the American. But... You know, these producers are doing the best they can, and I give them a huge high five because being a producer nowadays is not easy. But the money, you know, a lot of producers are putting up a lot more money, and it's harder to get down the road. You know, diesel fuel costs more, feed costs more, you know, shoot, just buying tires for your truck and trailer is more. So it's 2023. Things aren't getting any cheaper. But I'm so much happier to go to a one-day show or even rodeo, whatever, a one-day event that costs more to enter and pays out more versus a three-day event that I got to buy stalls and RV for and everything that doesn't pay out as more because you're just spending more. But I'd rather go to one event that pays out a ton more. And I think a lot of these, you know, look at all this Facebook and, and social media stuff. All these slot races are coming up now, which I think is great. Um, there, you know, that could be a whole other rabbit hole we could go down. But all in all, I think there's a lot more money that's coming on the line. And these producers have done a wonderful job with it. Right. No, definitely the money. And like these producers have really stepped up and 
you know, the committees at the rodeos and stuff have really stepped up and put the money up, and we are very thankful for it. Absolutely. So, you've been riding and racing your whole life. So, looking back at your career, what would you tell yourself 10 years ago, or what, what would you change or do different? Honestly, I don't, I don't think I will do anything different. If I had to change anything, I wouldn't do anything different, you know, because for a long time, I didn't really... I was riding a $300 horse from the cell barn and flipping ponies. I would go buy ponies and I would, these crazy wild ponies, and I would flip them. And, you know, I had so much fun doing that. And so I really think it gave me a good foundation, though. Um, I was always fearless when I was little. Um, I thought I was 10 foot tall and bulletproof. Mm -hmm. And so doing that, like, really gave me the foundation and the ability to, you know, my parents, my mom, especially, and then my stepdad, or I call him my dad. He's basically my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike, you know, they taught me hard work, you know, and like I said, I took a $300 horse and, you know, did really well on it. No one ever knew it was a $300 horse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I don't think I would have changed anything because, you know, they kind of made me work at it and instilled that hard work and that drive and that dedication instead of just going out and saying here's a hundred thousand dollar horse and we'll just buy you another one if that you know don't work out so it really it really gave me that drive and that you know attitude to keep going and I think it really paid off in the long run so I ask every guest that I have on the podcast the same question and over the years I've had nothing but great answers so you can answer this question however you want there's no right or wrong answer if there's anything that you could change about the horse industry, what would it be? The people. And <laughs> That's not the first the time I've heard that horse answer. Industry. I mean all the people that are sitting on their couch not doing what you're doing, thinking they're better than you. I'm like, hello, Linda. If you were here, then you could talk, but you're not. You're sitting on your couch in probably out lower Alabama somewhere. Like, be quiet. Shush. <laughs> And other ones are like, she's using split range. She does not know what she's doing. I literally do the NFR had to get off of social media. Oh, I bet. So, nope. Yeah, not even, it's, I would change the people and not the people in the industry, the people that are sitting on the couch on the outside of the industry. Yeah. It can be very hard to deal with sometimes the people that are the naysayers and, yep, I would agree with you. You're not the first person that has said that same answer. The people are the hardest sometimes to deal with. Yeah, I'm just, I like, and there's one thing about me, I'm a really open person. I'm going to tell you how I feel about you, and I don't care if it hurts your feelings. Like, I do not care. (laughs) Good answer. I like that. All right, so last segment here, I have 10 rapid-fire questions, and these are just fun questions just to get to to know you a little bit better. Are you ready? Yep. All right, question number one, favorite breakfast food? Uh... Oh my gosh, I can't even think right now. You said rapid fire, and my brain really went rapid fire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ba- er, sausage, no, a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit. There you go. Holy Good cow. answer. I really thought you were going to say iced coffee. Whatever. <laughs> no. All right. Bacon, number- egg, and cheese biscuit. Cool. Number two, favorite rodeo? Probably Pinocchio. Three, do you have any hidden talents? probably not i mean i can ride a horse pretty good but that's about it (laughs) four do you collect anything (laughs) what do you mean by that like some people collect uh i don't know can koozies some people collect little charms people collect horse bits like 
I think that the only thing that we collected are stallion, but... <laughs> hey, that's a good one! <laughs> Stallions, there you go. Five, what, were, what was your last Halloween costume? Um, one of the Purge people. Six, if you didn't barrel race, what would you do? Probably be a rich wife that lived on in Miami and drink mimosas on the beach all day. <laughs> Perfect. Seven, rodeo or futurity? Oh, that's harsh. Depends on what horses I have. If I have good fraternity horses, I want to go to the fraternity. If I don't have good fraternity horses, I want to go to the rodeo. There you go. 50-50. Eight. On a scale from one to ten, how good are you at pole bending? Oh, you mean pole bending literally like breaking them? Ten. Well, no, I mean like pole bending like like when you pole bend on a horse, like sport. Yeah, no. If you mean like actually breaking them, like when you hit them so hard you break them, (laughs) ten. Ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. I used to make bets with the pole benders how many poles I would hit. And I my one horse, the three hundred dollar horse I was talking about, was actually mm-hmm. a decent pole horse. And one time I was making a clean run, because my mom forced me to run poles. One mm-hmm. time I was making a clean run and I got to the end pole and picked it up and carried it out with me. <laughs> that's great. Oh, that's classic. It's something people don't ever forget that. No, nope. oh, that's great. All right, number nine. Who's your favorite rodeo athlete? Um, my horse. Ten, if you could ride any horse, dead or alive, who would it be? Uh, Fame Bling and Bling. Oh, perfect. Awesome. Yay, you passed. That was great. Great. Well, this last hour or so has been so fun, and I'm so thankful you were able to carve out some time for us today. So please tell us where we can find you on social media. So TikTok, I have two accounts. I have the Barrel Barbie account, and then I have my personal account, which is just like Bailey Show. I don't know, type it up, it'll pull up. And then Instagram, same thing, Bailey Show. And then Facebook, Bailey Show. Well, no, your TikTok has been really fun to follow, been very entertaining. So best of luck this weekend, wherever you're headed. And we appreciate your time. Thanks, Bailey. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Be sure to follow Bailey on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. She has been a blast to follow. You can also find us on the same platforms at The Barrel Horse Life, where you'll find some behind-the-scenes content, store merch, and new episodes. I also post some really great memes. Visit the store website at www.thebarrelhorselife.store. This episode of the podcast was produced, engineered, and directed by me, Amy Davenport, right from my tiny recording closet. This is... The Barrel Horse Life.